250 for a highball and a buck and a half for a beer. You are stumbling back in to a bowl game edition of Taken All Wrong. I am JD and joined as always on the other end of the line is Jeffrick. How are you tonight, sir? Hey, doing well, my friend. Doing well. You? Good. I'm good. Hey, um, as a Canadian, I want to wish you a happy Boxing Day. Did you get Thank all you, your uh, presents returned? We got all our boxing in as as one would do on a on a festive Boxing Day such as today. Good, good. I, uh, incidentally, I did watch a uh, the uh, Buster Douglas Mike Tyson uh, thirty for thirty last night. So I felt like uh, that was uh, as much as I could possibly do to celebrate Boxing Day um, for a country that I only spent uh, a few months in. So very appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, we are joined by a brand new guest to the Top Pod, uh, someone that uh, I get to tailgate with almost every week uh, during the football season and chat with uh, quite a bit on the interwebs, but somebody that has not joined us previously on Taken All Wrong. We are joined tonight by a gentleman who is a, a writer for both the Daily Gopher and Off Tackle Empire. It is Mr. Benjamin Dawson. How are you doing tonight? I am ecstatic to finally be here on one of the top 100 Gopher podcasts. I could not be more excited tonight. Thanks. That's uh, that's high praise. That's high you, you praise. Could, you can narrow it down to top 10 and still be right. I mean, yeah. I get, there's probably a couple podcasts that we don't know about that are definitely rated ahead of us, but uh, it's, I just it's, want I just want you guys to stay hungry, you know. That way, you're motivated to keep pushing harder and do better. That's good. No, we that's the kind of that's the kind of tough love and support that we yep. that we need here. So, do appreciate that. Well, gentlemen, uh, we literally just got done watching uh, our Golden Gophers in the Quick Lane Bowl, uh, where uh they pretty much i guess we could say dismantled the the georgia tech yellow jackets the game got over about 15 minutes ago and we all jumped online uh to chat about it gophers do beat georgia tech uh 34 to 10 um i would say struggled a little bit in the first half just in the sense that they had some trouble finishing drives but uh we're up by 10 points uh, in the first half, could have easily been up by three touchdowns instead of just 10 points, um, but do uh, really put Georgia Tech away in the second half, uh, scoring 21 points and, uh, like I said, winning 34-10. to 10. Jeffrick, uh, give us just some general thoughts on uh, what we watched tonight. Uh, two upsets in this game. One that the Gophers won because they were not favored. The second, uh, Mo Ibrahim injured more players than Daniel Falele did. I would not have guessed that. But uh, I think he knocked out more tech guys than, than the big fella did. That was, uh, uh, I mean, what can you say about Mo Ibrahim? Uh, 31 carries, 224 yards for two touchdowns. Um, I mean, he was just a machine. He's a he 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 is the next in a line of great gopher running backs who hit before they are hit and never stop their legs moving. And uh, it was a lot of fun to watch here the second half of the season and uh, specifically in this game. Ben, give us some uh, some thoughts on the gophers beating Georgia Tech. Well, I've got a couple things that I noticed from what I was able to see before kids interfered a bit here. Um, first and foremost, I mean, Mo Ibrahim, that first guy he took out, 
I thought that might have been the point where Georgia Tech was going to start questioning whether or not they wanted to be there, where he just had a 10-yard head of steam untouched and just ran through a guy. Uh, I felt like shades of Brandon Owens for a bit there with the way he took that shot at him. But the other thing is, is that the offensive line all night long was keeping guys off of him and Tanner Morgan, so they were in position to actually make good plays. The the fat kids have been one of the better stories here towards the second half of the year, along with the defense, I really think. A hundred percent. Offensive line, and we've certainly talked about that uh, a couple other times here on Taking All Wrong. Offensive line, really, when the team decided to make the switch from uh, Sam Schluter at right tackle to Daniel Falele, um, something just clicked in that offensive line. And even without Donnell Green, who has decided to, to move on to the NFL tonight, a little bit of shuffling there, had some Blaze Andrews, had some Sam Schluter at left tackle, um, still got the job done tonight and uh, a unit that really solidified itself the second half of the season. And I mean, really dominated Wisconsin and dominated Georgia Tech tonight. It was, uh, it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, so, so yeah, and Mo Ibrahim, obviously a, a, a big uh, benefactor to that happening. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, guys, uh, the, the triple option just was not a factor tonight. It just, uh, Joe Rossi has figured something out with this defense and, and instructed them in a way that, um, I, I mean, it looks like a completely different team on that side of the ball. Ben, what have you seen the last in this game specifically? And I know you you missed some of the second half, but but what did you see that was just different? Um, guys knew their assignments. I think is the big thing. You didn't see any plays where all of a sudden there was just a wide open gap opening up. There were guys in the right spot. So Rossi has got to be figuring out what the opponents are going to do, and then telling our guys how to get into position to stop it. Uh, Carter Coughlin commented that on on the uh, post-game radio show with Justin Gard a little bit. It was, you know, he was really impressed. He uh, complimented Coach Rossi on his work, and I think that's going to be something that we need to keep an eye on going into next year is is what's going to happen when Joe Rossi has a, a full year and offseason to get ready, these guys ready to do what he wants to do, and then also when he's got everybody back healthy too. Right, and and also has the chance to put the pieces in place on his coaching staff uh, that he wants. We know he brought in the uh, the head coach from uh, University of Maine, so so that'll be interesting. Jeffrick, from a defensive standpoint, same question. Uh, what what are you seeing that's different? And in this game specifically, what impressed you on that side of the ball? Uh, I'd, I'd say PJ made the right choice uh, for his defensive coordinator. Just an awesome performance from start to finish. Um, and especially, man, that first half, that so set the tone. Uh, what was it, 37 yards of offense in the first half for Georgia Tech? I mean, incredible the way they shut them down, forced them to punt time after time. Um, just really, really set the, the tone and the vibe for the game. It was something to watch. And as, as Ben said, I mean, it's just their guys were disciplined. They were in the right spot. You know, you kind of worried before the game we're missing three starters, but everybody knew where they needed to be and what their assignments were, and they were just consistently hitting them play after play. Yeah, it was it was really something fun to watch. And I, I, I was I was upset heading into halftime because. You know, only up ten points. I had, I had the. Uh, people might remember that I had my wife Tanya on early this year during the bye week to talk about uh, when we get frustrated as fans that uh, you know the team wins, but we didn't feel like they played very well. And I sort of 
likened that with my wife to the difference between midway through an art project or a painting and actually having it be finished. And um, we had that same discussion over uh, over halftime tonight, which was uh, she said, we're winning and we only gave up a field goal there at the end. And I said, yes, but we gave up a field goal that we shouldn't have given up. We've looked uh, very questionable, uh, at least through Wisconsin in the first half of the Georgia Tech game from a, a two minute uh, defense standpoint. Um, and then, uh, just not finishing those drives, um, you know, uh, four opportunities to score at least in that first half and, uh, coming away with, uh, just 13 points, but, um, second half Gophers, uh, were able to turn it on, uh, from a defensive standpoint, the Gophers, um, I mean, you really can't say enough about what they were able to do. Like I said, the, the triple option was just never, a factor tonight. We really didn't even get to see it get going, which is when the triple option is really a thing of beauty. Um, you know, Georgia Tech was playing from behind, and so uh, never had the opportunity to really uh, to really put that into action, and had to do some things that uh, they're probably uncomfortable with. But you know, a, a team that rushes for um, you know, uh, I think nearly 400 yards a game. Um, uh, we gave up only uh, 206 yards on the ground to them, uh, 77 yards passing. So um, just, a, just a really impressive performance. Um, let's switch back over to, to the offensive side of the ball. We talked about uh, Mo Ibrahim, but um, guys, who else uh, from an offensive standpoint interested you? I'll, uh, I'll start with Jeff Rick. I mean, besides the line, I mean, it was fun to just watch those guys pancake player. You know, Tyler Johnson with a couple big touchdown catches again, especially that last one was huge. I mean, they he didn't have much, right? Four for 57, but the two scores was big. That Ottman Bell play too, which is the dumbest call I've ever seen. That's either a catch on a touchdown or an incompletion. They somehow split the difference even after reviewing it. But um, for an offense and a passing game that wasn't needed a ton tonight, I thought the receivers looked pretty good when they were called on. Yeah, no, I totally agree. The best... As far as I could understand uh, with the call on the Ottman Bell touchdown, not touchdown, is he out of bounds, was that they basically said the play was called dead when the ref um, said that he was out of bounds. And so they can't advance the ball from that standpoint. So even though uh, calling that out of bounds was literally the only wrong call uh, because of how the the uh, the whistle was blown, or when the whistle was blown, I guess that was uh, technically uh, technically the right call. Ben, uh, give us some uh, some thoughts on the offensive side of the ball. Well, I didn't get a chance to say some nice things about Mo before, so I'm going to take that opportunity now. First, uh, I was really impressed with how he was running in the first half. He might not be the fastest guy on the field, but he is always moving his legs. I made a comment to you guys, you online, Jared, during the game where I wonder if he moves his leg in his sleep like a puppy because he just does, he is always just churning away. Yep. It is impressive to watch, and that, that kind of heart is something that really you know helps everybody else out. And another guy that I saw, he wasn't quite offensive line, but he was doing a really good job sealing on the edge and, and moving around quite a bit as well, was uh, tight end Jake Paulson. He was really – you weren't seeing him getting blown up at all. He was always in position there. And on some of the longer runs from Mo, he was the guy that was was getting the edge shut down to give Mo the opportunity to get going. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point on Mo, and uh, yeah, certainly he uh, 
I, I, I'm guessing that he's uh, he's always moving. He's probably a jittery guy, and um, and great point on Jake Paulson as well. Um, kind of to round things out from an offensive standpoint, Tanner Morgan had. Uh, uh, I mean, he was. I guess you could say he was a game manager. Uh, Thirteen throws on the day, um, seven completions. Did have two touchdowns uh, to uh, to Tyler Johnson, as as mentioned. Um, you know, had a little trouble in the first half. I think at one point he was two of eight or something like that. Uh, was able to uh, to complete some passes in the second half to kind of keep things moving and uh, and keep the defense honest, but. Um, really, you know, after, after halftime, it was just, uh, Gophers just, um, just chewing up clock. And that was, that was really, uh, the story of the game. What's interesting is, you know, the Gophers really, uh, dominated early in the game, had that, had that five minute drive to start the game. Uh, um, Georgia Tech had a three and out after that. Um, that was followed up by the Gophers having another drive of, uh, three or four minutes, um, and getting a touchdown. Um, but at the end of the game, the, the Gophers only won the, uh, the time of possession battle by about a minute and a half. So, uh, things did even out in the second half, but, uh, obviously with uh, field position and a couple of explosive runs from Mo Ibrahim, we really were, uh, kind of able to put things away and uh, time of possession didn't become a factor. Uh, gentlemen, and what else from this game haven't we touched on that uh, that you'd be interested in uh, in bringing up? Uh, we'll start with Ben. Uh, one thing that worries me a little bit is the thought of having to replace Emmett Carpenter. He wasn't perfect on the night, but he's somebody you can usually count on to have a pretty good night for us and get us some points on the board. And threes aren't as good as sevens, but they're still better than zeros. And you know, at the beginning of the game, he was able to get us some points so we could, you know, the defense could relax a little bit because we weren't necessarily, you know, missing field goals and still keeping Georgia Tech in the game. Ah. So that's just my thought on that is, sure. you know, replacing the kicker. It could be something that's really tough here. Yeah, no, that will that will definitely be important here uh, in the off season. Um, you know, really the, the, the miss was that, that 54 yarder, which was, a drive where uh, personally I felt like uh, the play calling wasn't great. I didn't think we were as aggressive as we could have been and uh, sort of had to settle for a long field, which, or excuse me, long field goal, which uh, unfortunately ended up uh, putting us our backs against the wall uh, because, um, because uh, Georgia tech was able to go down and, uh, and get a field goal to end the half and, uh, and just be down by 10 points there. Um, but uh, heading into halftime. Well, um, I think that'll wrap it up as far as uh, the Quick Lane Bowl. It's it's really uh, quite an experience to uh, have a bowl game where, um, I mean, there's just not a ton. Uh, to I mean, obviously a great game and a super good win for the Gophers. Um, not obviously the most exciting of bowl games, but, um, I mean, it, it really was just a, a, a situation where, the thing that we were most scared of, which was the triple option offense and a Georgia Tech team that was motivated by their coach uh, coaching in his last game, just wasn't a factor. Uh, we just neutralized it from the beginning. Joe Rossi's defense did a great job. So uh, with that, we'll wrap up our thoughts um, 
on the quick lane bowl as the Gophers uh, finish out their the season, winning three of their last four, um, and look forward to the off season and uh, and looking ahead to spring ball. We will uh, go ahead and take a break. We'll come back and talk a little bit of Big Ten bowl games outside of the Gophers. You are listening to Taken All Wrong. Welcome back to Taking All Wrong. We want to remind you that this week, as every week, Taking All Wrong is brought to you by MyBookie. You can go to mybookie.ag and use the promo code WRONG25. Have your deposit match dollar for dollar plus a 50% bonus. That's mybookie.ag, promo code WRONG25. If you would have gone to MyBookie today, you would have seen that the Gophers were uh, Six-point underdogs to Georgia Tech. Uh, the money line was very juicy. I did get a piece of that myself. And uh, obviously the Gophers were able to cover that spread handily. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about some of the other bowl games that the Big Ten uh, will uh, will be facing uh, coming up. So we'll start tomorrow, gentlemen with our hated rivals to the east, the uh, team that we just won the axe over finally. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers play the Miami Hurricanes in the Pinstripe Bowl where Wisconsin is a three-point underdog. Jeffrick, any thoughts on uh, Wisconsin-Miami in the Pinstripe Bowl? Uh, go Hurricanes, obviously, um, and it, we'll we'll see how Wisconsin does because they don't have uh, the axe this year. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that, but uh, they they lost that their they lost their last game of the uh, the regular season to uh, Minnesota, so they'll be axeless in uh, in that game. Just pointing that out. I heard they finished seven and five. That's not well, which is weird because they're they were preseason playoff team, so I don't know. Yeah. They were they were number four in the preseason AP poll. Are you sure mm-hmm. they finished seven and five? Something's mm-hmm. got to be wrong there. No, yeah, I, f- I feel. I feel like I mean, we the had offensive the line was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. No, I, I yeah. doesn't be. We had the nah, we had the same. Uh, I feel like we had the same conversation a couple weeks ago on this very podcast, and it was. Uh, I think ESPN's got something wrong, but uh, anyways. Can I can I say something about about the Wisconsin uh, loss to Minnesota, sure. uh, Jerry? I know you and Frothy talked about it. I know we've kind of how much it was hard to enjoy that Wisconsin game as it was happening, and that we didn't really, you know, you couldn't really start to appreciate and enjoy it to the very end. Honestly, I enjoyed the hell out of this Georgia Tech game from like the very beginning. It was it was nice to sit through a Gopher game and a big win and a you know a double digit victory and enjoy the hell out of it every minute of it. I, I, I was close to that. I did have a moment in the in the second half. I think it was early in the second half where uh, Georgia Tech had a big uh, downfield uh, pass completion, and I was like, "Okay, here we go. This is this is when the wheels fall off." I just I still have that that part of me, but uh, but um, in contrast, I will say I have rewatched the Gopher game over Wisconsin. 
at least three times since we won the axe and uh, and uh, have enjoyed watching the game without that fear and uh, and really seeing um, how much we dominated and, and again I just it, it's if you would have told me after we lost to I- Illinois. Uh, that we were going to finish the season seven and six. I mean, there's, that was just an impossibility. Um, and to do it the way we did, really dominating in all three of those games uh, is uh, is something else. Ben, I- I'm sure you have something to say about Wisconsin-Miami. Yeah, and it's, it, 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 it's not good. It pains me quite a bit. But I'm a little worried about Miami going up to uh, – weather environments a little bit colder than the state of Florida yeah. where they play pretty much all their games. And I, I do not think it's going to go well for them. I think, I think Jonathan Taylor might have a, a pretty good day. And I, I just, I don't think Miami's going to get much for quarterback play. And I'm just really worried about what's going to happen. I agree. I, I was actually surprised when I was looking at the point spreads earlier today that uh, Wisconsin was an underdog. I thought, you know, that uh, three points is, is not crazy, really. Um, that's a pick em, But I really thought that they would probably be uh, a field goal uh, favorite. So, um, so definitely interesting to see what's going to happen in that game. Uh, other interesting thing about it is um, Alex Hornibrook is out. Um, Cohen uh, will be burning his red shirt playing in his fifth game uh, to start the bowl game. Um, and uh, really interesting because uh, it makes you wonder if Hornibrook should have uh, played in that game against us and uh, what his medical state was. Um, but none of that matters because their savior, Graham Mertz, uh, goes to Madison next year. So uh, I'm sure all will be fine with the Badgers. Uh, looking ahead to a Friday game, we've got the uh, the Music City Bowl. Purdue taking on Auburn. Uh, Purdue is a four-and-a-half-point underdog. And, uh, Ben, I believe you have some thoughts about uh, Purdue and Auburn. I'm actually, this is the one Big Ten bowl game I'm actually excited about because both of these teams can actually score some points as opposed to pretty much every other game. So it's nice to see that there's, excuse me, I've got a kid interrupting here. Hi. It is, talking to some friends about the Gophers and some other football games. We just talked about Wisconsin. She made a frowny face. I've trained her well. Nice. Good. Um, we, haven't had this, uh, we haven't had this level of outside influence since uh, we had Matt O'Connell driving through uh, Prior Lake. So this is this is good pod. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, you know yes, important? Purdue. I think with Rondale Moore, though, Purdue has a pretty good – or Auburn has a pretty good defense at times. But Auburn also has a history of uh, – not really giving a shit in bowl games that don't matter. Even last year against uh, UCF, if it's not an important game, Auburn kind of has a little bit of don't show up in them. Well, so that'll be that'll be an interesting game again. Purdue is uh, four and a half point underdogs. Um, so uh, so go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code wrong twenty five and uh, and bet your conscience there. I guess uh, the next game. Uh, so our Gophers, we know, uh, just uh, beat the spread in the uh, first bowl game of the year for the Big Ten. We know Wisconsin is underdogs. Purdue are, are also underdogs. 
The first game where the the uh, Big Ten is favored is on Saturday in the Peach Bowl. Uh, Michigan is favored by six and a half uh, over number ten Florida. So just to give you an idea of uh, how the Big Ten is uh, viewed or or was viewed heading into this bowl season. Um, of nine games that the Big Ten will play in, the Big Ten was only favored in three games, the Michigan game just mentioned, and then uh, Penn State over Kentucky and Ohio State over Wisconsin. Uh, the Pioneer Press, Andy Greeter, uh, did his predictions, and he he uh, predicted that the um, that the Big Ten would go two and seven. He only had uh, Penn State and Ohio State winning. So uh, this first game on Saturday, Michigan favored by six and a half over Florida. Jeffrick, uh, any thoughts on uh, on on what this looks like for the Big Ten and uh, and and what what Michigan might have for Florida? I don't like cheering for Michigan. I don't like thinking about Michigan winning Harbaugh, the khakis, the whole deal, but I, I think they've got a shot there. I mean, they're, as you said, the favorite by six, Florida never seems to have a quarterback. I know Dan Mullen's getting it figured out there, but um, I, I think the Wolverines are, are, are a pretty solid team on the, on the lone big 10 game on Saturday. Ben. I, I kind of agree with God it pains me to say this. I kind of agree with greeter a bit. I don't see a lot of good matchups for the Big Ten. This could be another one. Um, I just worry about how Michigan's offense is going to do against Florida's defense. And then Florida hasn't been completely terrible at scoring this year. And I just, I don't like Michigan. I don't like thinking nice things about them. And I just don't see a whole lot of reason to because Harbaugh is just, Harbaugh runs a very bland offense that doesn't necessarily use all the talent available. And I, they just don't always interest me to watch what they're doing because it's just frustrating yeah michigan this is this is probably a way off comparison but when i think about michigan i think about that they're very scheme oriented and in that way i feel like they're a little bit like northwestern it's just they're they're (laughs) they're they're sort of right down the middle they're going to do what they do this is the scheme they run but i feel like and i think that's this is what happened against um ohio state they just got out athleted they, they just got beat by better athletes um over and over and over again so uh that that could potentially be a, a similar scenario with florida so um michigan being favored by six and a half is uh is interesting um and uh, and could be juicy if you're uh, if you're a betting folk out there uh, let's move ahead then to uh, new year's eve uh next monday uh, in the Red Box Bowl, which was one of the bowls that was uh, potentially mentioned for the Gophers uh, after they had beaten Wisconsin, uh, Michigan State got that bid, and they get to play Oregon. Um, and uh, better them than us is uh, my opinion. But uh, Michigan State favored by a point and a half over Oregon. And then the Holiday Bowl that same day, uh, number 22, Northwestern versus number 17, Utah. Uh, Northwestern is a a seven-point underdog in that game. Uh, Ben, we'll start with you. Uh, Red Box Bowl, uh, uh, Michigan State, Oregon, Holiday Bowl, Northwestern, Utah. Your thoughts on one or both of those games? Uh, We'll start with the Holiday Bowl. Um, Ugh, I 
don't think you can pay me enough to watch that game. <laughs> I completely agree with your analysis of Northwestern and Michigan being similar. They're very bland, boring, stale, prehistoric NFL. Like it's kind of like watching a Vikings game in some regard, where the rest How of the NFL you? has. It's not. Yeah, it's but, not that bad. The rest of the NFL has evolved. A lot of the places in the Big Ten and college football have evolved, and Northwestern and Michigan cannot be dragged out of the 1980s. It's just unbearable at times to have to watch those teams. And Northwestern's one redeeming quality is that they're mediocre across the board, but they just, they're just they just not bad at any one thing. <laughs> and then for the... the um, the, the Red Box Bowl, the one thing I'd like to say about that is I really wish we could have switched Big Ten matchups with that and um, the Citrus Bowl because I think Kentucky, if we could have put Kentucky and Michigan State together and quarantined the, the defensive crap in one place and let Penn State and Oregon play, we could have had a little bit of fun. But I just I think Michigan State's going to suck the fun out of that game too. When you say... Uh, the best thing that you can say about Northwestern is they're mediocre across the board, but they're just not bad about, at anything. I'm just trying to figure out how you got a copy of my year-end review at work because that is like <laughs> word for word what my boss said about me. So, um, And actually, I swear there's an iTunes review about this podcast that almost says that identical thing as well. But um, Jeffrey, uh, what's that, Ben? As management, that's kind of one of those things I have to be able to do is compliment people while still, you know, kicking them hard. Oh, I love that. That's 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 why I'll never be management. Um, I just I, I'm not I not I can't turn a phrase that well. Uh, Jeffrick, uh, MSU, uh, Michigan State, Oregon, Northwestern, Utah. What 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 ha what say you, sir? Yeah, Ben's right. We don't get a fun matchup in either one of those. I think Oregon scores a lot of points over Michigan State, and Northwestern Utah is going to be the the fundamentals bowl. I mean, that that could be a three two or five three final. A lot of Jerry Kill would love this game. Let's be honest. A lot of a lot of hidden yards. A lot of you know secret plays. A lot of punting. A lot of you know fourth and one from the other team's thirty eight, and let's do a, a coffin corner kick. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I do not. If something has gone horribly wrong, if I'm tuning in for Northwestern and Utah. I, I feel like in a in a in a next life Jerry Kill will have a series of instructional football DVDs that oh. will be titled Punting is Fundamental and the fun will be capitalized. <laughs> the the one nice thing I can say about that holiday bowl is that gives you an opportunity with my bookie to take the under and then Yep. Yep. That's mybookie.ag promo code wrong25 everybody. Um, well, let's go ahead then and uh, move on to our uh, New Year's Day bowl games. And uh, let's start with the bottom of the heap, which is Iowa. Uh, Seven-point underdogs to Mississippi State uh, in the Outback Bowl. Jeffrey, what do you what do you make of this one? Mississippi State by all the points, obviously. I mean, it's it's Joe Moorhead offense. He's going to roll. I. I don't see how that that other team that's playing from the Big Ten has has any chance in this one whatsoever. Right. Speaking of bland, Ben, I'm imagining you have some thoughts on Iowa and uh, Mississippi State. <sighs> Thank God the the cowbell will be there to entertain. 
<laughs> yeah, three hours of clang, 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 clang will be much like what the offenses are going to be doing. I, I feel like the perfect uh, preview of this game would have been just you going. <sighs> hang on, hang on. This is this is going to be me a lot if I have to watch that game. Yes. All right, ready to go. Over and over. If my remote, if my TV remote made any noise, I would click on that right now because that's probably what I'll be doing. But uh, uh, we'll move on then to the Citrus Bowl where we've got uh, number 12, <coughs> excuse me, Penn State, who is a six and a half point favorite over uh, number 14, Kentucky in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, I'm about to have a coughing fit. Jeffrick, your thoughts. How's Penn State only favored by six and a half? Like I know Kentucky's 14th. I know they've got they won nine games and they're in the SEC. Penn State should win this by two touchdowns, easy here. McSorley will roll in his last game. I mean, it, Penn State should be chomping at the bit for this one. That's that's I don't know. I, maybe that's not enough for Kentucky. It's it's a basketball school. It is a basketball school. I'm told they played pretty good football this year until they ran into something called Georgia. Uh, ben, Penn State, Kentucky. It's going to be really tough to watch that game because of what, the way Kentucky plays. Benny Snell is a lot of fun to watch. They're running back, but that's about it on offense. Uh, that's why I kind of wish that we could get Penn State against Oregon to get some more points out there because all Kentucky's going to want to do is, you know, try to keep it within uh, like a one-score game and hope they can get something out of it at the end. It's just, it's another Big Ten bowl game that's just not going to be worth watching. Another Big Ten bowl game not worth watching, but is a Big Ten bowl game where a, a Big Ten team is actually favored. Uh, so, uh, so make make your bets accordingly, folks. Last but not least, the ninth uh, bowl game for the Big Ten is the Rose Bowl, uh, where uh, number six, Ohio State, who missed the playoff despite uh, putting a hurting on Michigan and Northwestern, will be playing the number nine, Washington Huskies. Ben, um, give us some thoughts uh that probably include uh, Urban Meyer about what this game looks like. This game would have been a lot more fun about two years ago when Washington had some more talent on offense. Um, I think this game would also be more fun if Urban Meyer would have rode off into the sunset before it because the Buckeyes, Buckeyes look much better, not counting the Michigan State game, but uh, when he wasn't roaming the sidelines on Saturday. I think the Buckeyes should not have too much trouble here. I think they've got enough talent that where if they show up, this one could get pretty ugly in their favor. Jeffrick, thoughts on the uh, Washington Huskies and Ohio State Buckeyes? Yeah, tough to get a read on it. Washington was another one of those preseason uh, playoff teams potentially out of the Pac-12 and uh, kind of stubbed their toe against Auburn to start, and they just didn't look great. I mean, a a four-year starter in Jake Browning, a quarterback who's – it hasn't really taken the steps you'd think of a guy who's played that much. I, I don't know. I agree with Ben. Washington's kind of lacking some firepower here. You know, Dante Pettis used to be there. John Ross off to the NFL. They had some guys who could really go out and get it. Um, but it, it's probably if Washington wins, it's going to be a low scoring one. But Ohio State's um, what could be the last game for Dwayne Haskins. I, we, I, I would be, especially with uh, Justin Herbert announcing he's coming back. It might see Haskins go pro as he's probably the top quarterback available. But uh, I, I think Ohio State gets this one. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, just athletically, Ohio State is, uh, as sort of uh, alluded to earlier, really the class of the Big Ten. Um, we'll be very interested to see how things roll um, with, without Urban Meyer, who uh, uh, miraculously is now a assistant athletic director. So uh, might as well uh, might as well keep close to the shit pile, I guess. But uh, um, I don't know, guys. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, uh, Vegas sees uh, sees uh, the Big Ten going three and six. They're already wrong on one game. Uh, Greeter uh, said two and seven. Uh, also already wrong on one game. I think uh, I think we are probably looking at the at the Big Ten winning four out of nine games, uh, maybe sneaking out a fifth. But uh, who knows? You know, we we we've seen stranger things in the past. It sort of seems to be up and down with uh, with the Big Ten. Uh, any final thoughts on the on the Big Ten bowl season or um, or, or or the Gopher game, the uh, Quick Lane Bowl today? We'll start with Jeffrick. Just uh, such a fun way to to end the season. Uh, Chris Benini, who's a national writer, just had a tweet up that said that Minnesota was four and five. They were allowing forty three points per game with Rob Smith. Three and one since they've only allowed fourteen point seven. And I mean, you know, three of those are actually all four of those teams were pretty darn quality. So I mean, it's a young team. We heard all year about all the freshmen Minnesota has. Um, Ibrahim with a great game. The bulk of that offensive line comes back next year. Um, you know, a bunch on defense, just a, a really, really encouraging finish to the season. And I think uh, a, a chance for us all to be really excited for 2019. Definitely a polar opposite ending to the season of what, what we saw last year. And yep. uh, a stat that I saw on Twitter that I jotted down and now I don't remember who tweeted it, but uh, um, speaking of the Gophers and, and their win tonight over Georgia Tech, the Gophers have not punted since the second quarter of the Wisconsin game. So they went six full quarters to end the season without a punt. And uh, I think that says a lot about what the offense did from a moving the ball and a time of possession standpoint. I don't know that it says a ton as far as them uh, dominating scoreboard, but, uh, but uh, certainly a, a, a telling stat um, very interesting what uh, Kirk Soroka has been able to do with a very young offense and uh, and uh, nothing but upside, I think, heading into next year. Um, ben, uh, your final thoughts as far as the Big Ten in uh, bowl season and uh, and the Gophers uh, wrapping up the year seven and six. Well, I've just got two thoughts. I'm going to echo Jeff a little bit here. I am really excited about next year, and I cannot wait to see what Rossi can do to throw at teams when he's got Carter Coughlin possibly back at linebacker and a fully healthy Antoine Winfield Jr., at least until the Maryland game. And I can't wait to see what happens as these players take the next step forward. <laughs> and then the other thing is, I just got one question about the Big Ten Bulls. Uh, did we talk about Nebraska? When is their bowl game, guys? Uh, it's Scott Frost's oh. first year. He, they're definitely, they definitely have one. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's a great coach. They're in. I know they're in. For sure they are. Are you – actually, I think they won a bowl game today, didn't they? Yeah, were they in the one that got canceled? That's probably yeah. why you didn't hear about it. It got canceled. Yeah. Like, so there wasn't yeah. really a final for Nebraska. That has Nebraska's to be Nebraska's definitely – why Nebraska should be 1-0 in bowl games. Mm-hmm. So are they going to reschedule it against the 1-AA team a little well down the road here then? Yeah. I don't I know assume. if uh, – Bethune-Cookman might not be allowed to play football in January, but uh, well, stay tuned. That's all I'll say. 
Well, gentlemen, uh, I think that'll do it for us. Um, I, I can't, uh, I, what a game today. What, what a way to end the season. I can't, I could not believe uh, halfway through this go for football season that we would end like this, that we'd end with a winning record, uh, that we'd go to a bowl game that, um, that would, that we would really dominate three out of our last four games. And, um, end with a, a great recruiting class and uh, heading into 19 with uh, just just a, a tremendous amount of momentum. Um, so like I said, uh, uh, that will do it for us tonight. Uh, clink them and drink them. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Again, we always appreciate um, you following along and sharing the podcast. We've had a, a really great uh, last few weeks uh, here of the season as far as uh, people listening and sharing the podcast and uh, getting the word out. And we, we cannot thank you enough about that as always uh, continue to, to share the show and uh, listen over and over again. And if you're on iTunes or uh, any other podcast platform that allows you to give a rating, please do uh, uh, go out and give us a rating. It really helps us out. So uh, for Jeff Rick, for Ben Dawson, I am J.D. Mill. Jeffrey, take us out. Stay classy. Go Gophers. For the vote, Skyima. Skyima.